Hello and welcome to episode 12 of season 3 of the Oodcast and we're back all together again and we're not even talking about Gallifrey at any point during this You started again. Oh, you did. You just talked about Gallifrey just then. No, no, I was talking about something else. But now you've done it. Let's oh, oh, I'm talking about the supermarket Gallifrey that's just opened up in our area. They do great apples. It's and powdered chai tea, which I think you'll all find is gorgeous. Can I just say that chai tea latte is one of my favourite drinks ever. Do you know what? I've decided that this episode I'm going to speak entirely in non sequiturs. Yeah. What's a non sequitur? <laughs> it's the, any episode with an E in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that leather's really comfortable to sit on, but it's not so comfortable when it's used as trousers? Non sequitur mm. laws. That's right. This episode, the Oodcast, is going unplugged. So everything that you hear today will be recreated live in the studio. There is, a, there is a prize. If you can count accurately the number of non-sequiturs that Laura uses during this episode, you will win a bonus non-sequitur. I don't know what a non-sequitur is. Well, that was one. Brains make great hats. That was one too. I was just trying to do another one. Laura's the absolute master. Do another one. Politicians, some of them are corrupt, eh? Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> it's any statement that has nothing to do with the conversation that preceded it. Okay. So Laura does speak exclusively in non Here's one then. Laura's microphone is on their breakfast tray. But but that's to do with the conversation because we're all speaking into the microphones. No, it isn't. Mm, I'm not sure. In fact, in my house, we've got a scale for non sequiturs where we uh, test each utterance for its relevance and my brother will regularly score twos or threes where ten is entirely relevant and sometimes even zeros. So it's absolutely, totally irrelevant. in every... There's no way that you could link it. If you did a Kevin Bacon test on it, it would be very, very far away. Kevin Bacon, of course, known for his relevance in all situations being linked to things oh of course yes what we're trying this week is we're going to i think here at the ucast we're sort of known for all these big productions like sketches with lots of soundscapes and things we just thought we'd bring it back to just the four of us in a room chatting for an episode i mean i think there will be small sketches the many lives of brigadier alistair gordon lethbridge stewart Part 14. Cheer up, love. But, Alfie, I'm so depressed. It's all so, you know, depressing. Oh, it can't be that bad here. Have another drink. Everything's better blurred. 
Afternoon, me old China. What's your poison? You, trap in the awful shirt. Five rounds rapid. Three of us are wearing socks, only one of us is shod. But the shod one has a hole in his shoe. A shoddy shoe socked episode. I like that. That was clever. I'm beginning to get the hang of this now. Okay, excellent. Yeah, Yeah, because actually, um, at that place that we don't mention, a lot of people came up to us and said, we like the sketches, we like the songs, but actually, just you guys chatting, that makes us happy. So that's nice, isn't it? The Many Lives of Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, part 27. Forty years ago, a crack intelligence unit was sent to Geneva to investigate happenings that no one else wanted to. These men probably teamed up with the maverick scientific advisor to save the planet. Today, they are still in a shady part of the United Nations, still determined to protect the world and still unable to shoot straight or hit moving targets. They survive with a slightly less contentious name. So if you have a problem, if you need some uniformed men to run around pointlessly for a bit, if no other intelligence task force can help, maybe you can hire UNIT. Chat with the wings there. Five rounds rapid. I ain't firing at no demon fool. I love it when a plan comes together, Benton. News, 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 news. Oodcast news. Hello and welcome to the Oodcast news. <laughs> Tonight on the programme, a Cyberman wears an umbrella on his face. See, this is what happens when we don't write things. My nan has a stovepipe hat that she wears only on special occasions. Oh, does it have an actual chimney in it so her head stays warm? (laughs) Interesting fact about the stovepipe hat. The Ninth Doctor was going to wear one uh, in a cut scene from... Oh, I can't remember. I think it was Mark Gatiss' episode. That was a good one. Oh, I can't remember. It was more of a Yeah, it was an excellent one. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because seriously, are... they were going to stick Eccleston in an in, in a nine iron. No, they were going to stick Eccleston in a stovepipe hat. They were just for a second. He was going to jam one on his head for a while. I can't work out what this premium pale lager is. I'm fairly sure that's Kronerberg. Right then. Well, uh, this will actually be quite a lot in your past, but for us, it's quite recent. We have just seen the comic relief specials. Yes. In the last week. So we thought we couldn't let them go by without a quick Oodcast review. So what did everyone think of them? Starting with Chris, Alpha Go. I thought they were funny and I liked them. Amazing. Anyone got anything to add to that? I like the dirty bits. (laughs) Yeah, and of course there's two schools of thought on this. There's the people who think that Stephen Moffat goes a bit far with his sexual dirty humour. And there are those of us that think it is incredibly funny. I, I, think I think I've nailed my <laughs> colours to the wall. Do you I, nail your colours to the wall? On to mast, a flag. To the mast. To the mast. Flag to the mast. No, I've nailed my flag. Your colours to the mast. I have the flags, said what I think. The flags were colours, you see, and they yeah. were they. It's the way that they communicated between the ships and the fleet. Okay. They had lots of different colours that they hung up on the mast to spell things, which is why um, Nelson's message to the fleet of England expects every man to do his duty. That was done using the fags. The fags? No, it was done using the flags, not the fags. The flags. Do you know what? That is fascinating. I'm very glad I know that. Thanks, Laura. Fabulous semaphore while you were telling us as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Which is another method of communication. Hurrah! I think uh, I'm I'm with you actually on this. Unsurprisingly, is I think if if you think that Stephen Moffat goes too far in these episodes, you should really watch Coupling. Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and I, I will cu- watch Coupling, and I will laugh mm. a lot. Mm. Yes, me too. But I guess the people trying to play devil's advocates, they would say that. Uh, Doctor Who is a children's programme that even though it was on comic relief they put it right at the beginning of the evening where the kids would still be watching is it appropriate? Can you just say well you know it's comic relief it's an adult theme but But Doctor Who isn't a children's programme it's a family programme and he never actually says I was looking at her quim that's right. He doesn't say that. I've, I've looked I, back I on it. I think if if you if you realistically think that children in this country don't talk about things like that um, at school, you you really need to get out more. That it, it's just a fact of life. People talk about that all the time. To me, Sad, there's there's only two kinds of jokes. There's good jokes and bad jokes. Mm. Uh, that's the only kind of way that I would divide up jokes. You know, there's dirty jokes that are just not funny. And there's ones that are hilarious. And Stephen Moffat almost always writes the funny ones. Mm. So mm-hmm. good on him. That's what I think. Plus, that was one line in an otherwise un- non-dirty... No, the whole thing was basically Rory thinking <laughs> I know about that. threesomes for the whole thing. <laughs> and, and I know they, there was the, uh, the Amy flirting with Amy <laughs> thing as well. <laughs> bless him. God bless him. Stephen Moffat. I like the bit where Rory comes into the TARDIS and does all that blurb and he goes and then Rory in the past looks at him and goes do I have to remember all of that? And future Rory goes no it just sort of happens. Yeah I have to say Arthur Darville rapidly becoming my favourite out of the three main characters. He's not a character he's an actor. Do you know what though? He was in Little Dorrit. He was. Did you see him? It. No, but I recognised him even though he had a monocle <laughs> and a stovepipe hat and a really horrible wig that made him look a bit like a spaniel. This episode of the Ootcast brought to you by stovepipe hats. <laughs> but come on, I want more critical thought about uh, these six minutes of television okay, that right. we've got. Here's one. <laughs> Is it not time for the moth to stop using the temporal loop scenario for resolving his plots? Not if it works. It's... It, it's getting a bit repetitive for me. Fight, fight, yeah. fight. Come on. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of The Lodger, it's kind of snuck in there with them going back to the newsagent, writing the notes. Mm. And right... Item one. Item, item one. one. Okay, at the end of Blink, okay, it's not something the Doctor does, but it sets up the adventure, obviously right at the end, where they give him all the details of what happens. Item two. Um, and... In Pandorica opens. The Pandorica opens, obviously, getting the Doctor out of the Pandorica. That's three. Point of Wasn't order. Wasn't that the same one, though? Same one what? Isn't that all part of the same loop? Uh, same one as what? The Lodger and Pandorica opens. No, no they're no. all separate. Okay. Laura, what's your point of order? He's a freaking Time Lord. Good point, Laura. Hmm? My and point is that it's the same... Does everyone know Plot resolution each time, which is becoming repetitive for me. Hang on, he's done it four times in, what, four years? They have all been slightly squished together at the end, though. Those, yeah, two of those are... He did it twice last Shall we season? define our terms, uh-huh. just in case people are going, what is that? Yeah, OK. Would you like to do <laughs> yeah. that? All right, no. Um, the temporal loop thingy that I'm finding a is little bit cause, repetitive... causal loop? Or Actually, it's a, well, it's a, a causal temporal loop. Yeah. 
um, I I would define it thus: uh, it's when the doctor is in a bit of a tricky situation that he needs to sort out, and he gets himself out of the situation by him his future self doing something. His future self does something, having got out of the situation, to, to enable get, him to get, get out, out of the, the situation. situation. Yeah, which to me doesn't actually make sense. Well, I'm I'm happy with Laura's response that he's a time lord. To be honest, I feel like if you could perceive time well enough, you could do things that pe- other people couldn't. So I'm thinking of uh, people who know a landscape so well that they seem to be able to m- move faster mm. than humanly possible because they just know their way. They they are they're in their environment. If a time lord, their environment is time, then they can just do stuff which seems. Or, or possibly is superhuman. Did we not have? But it? actually, that's just that's part. Did of we not have a very similar conversation about the Pandorica opens, where we noted that this was basically a paradox. There was a bit to this puzzle that didn't quite make sense, and our explanation was just get over it. He's a time lord. Yeah, and I and think. the brilliant thing about causal loops is once you're into them, then they do make sense. That's causal the whole point of them. Loops. Yeah. yeah. I because don't think Andy is disputing whether or not it makes sense. No, more no, that just he's, it, he's getting bored of it now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have some more intellectualism. I, well, I'm thinking that it's becoming um, uh, it's a magic, sex the magic, sonic screwdriver. Uh, yeah, of the new it's becoming series. a magic button to push. And I think that <laughs> there needs to be other ways of resolving plots. I tell you what, though, in this one with the wibbly lever, you can explain it just that the doctor knows it's the wibbly lever all along, and he's just would like to run through the doors because he thought it would be funny. <laughs> I did wonder if it was that. It could be that. It would it would work exactly the same way if the Doctor lies. I don't think it's very good because I didn't think the lever was wibbly. It was very solid yeah. looking. It looked like a door jam. It didn't look like a wibbly lever. I did wonder whether it was the Doctor, either as Sigma says, going, ah, I knew all along, or if... It's the Doctor going, I'm just going to walk in through those doors and say the first thing that comes to my head because what have we got to lose? The Reckless Doctor. Either way is right. And did you know that the current theme arrangement is meant to represent a more reckless kind of edge to the character? Mm. So all in all, it was about six minutes of Doctor Who, but it crammed in a huge amount of funny. It uh, was quite clever. Yes. And uh, it revealed a little bit more about the characters. It did borrow uh, an essential plot point from Logopolis. What was that? For the, well, the TARDIS landing inside the TARDIS. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was two TARDISes but, that merged. Though, yeah, yeah, I know. But It's a lovely image, though, isn't it? I love it because it seems really magical, but actually it's mm. them just carting one prop into their <laughs> set. <laughs> it's like the easiest thing in the world to what? achieve. Don't spoil all my youthful... <laughs> Joys, this isn't fair. I like the image of the Doctor's hand coming out of the door. Uh, yeah, that was very in, one, good, yeah. in, in the same frame as his back coming out of the TARDIS. So Matt Smith afterwards uh, did a little bit of ad libbing with Jonathan Ross, and uh, he didn't do any ad libbing. He was lady. trying to stick to a script, and Jonathan Ross was trying to ad lib really very very unfunnily. But how did they make the TARDIS appear live on stage? Well, I was wondering that. They must have had a camera locked off filming an empty shot of the stage, which they kept ready in the visual mixer thingy. And then they cross-faded the two images. Wow, he he knows his words. Split screen. What, like David Blaine picking the lottery numbers? 
It wasn't David Blaine. Darren, Darren Brown. Brown. It was Darren picking Brown. the lottery numbers. <laughs> Not in the least bit like that, no. No, that's how they think they that he did it. That they split the screen. Oh. And then someone ran on and changed the balls around. And then, the, yeah. I mean, people haven't exactly seen Exactly like Brown. that, in yeah. fact, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So there we go. That is our potted review of Space and Time. The Many Lives of Brigadier Alastair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. Part 31. Here you go, pet. One of my famous hot pots. Oh, wonderful, Betty, love. How's your youngest getting on? Oh, she's just got a job down paper mill. Excuse me, Mike, I'll just serve these gentlemen. I didn't know the army were in town. What can I get you? Benton, barmaid with the bingo wings. Five rounds rapid. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've uh, seen two great stalwarts of the Doctor Who universe uh, pass away. Uh, obviously, there's the amazing Nicholas Courtney, who played the Brigadier. Much um, missed. And we're sort of, our, I guess, our tribute to him, you can hear sprinkled liberally throughout this episode in tiny little chunks. A wonderful chap. <laughs> All of them. Oh, no, he's all just of, one of them. All, no, a wonderful <laughs> chap, all of him. Uh, and more recently, Michael Goff of great renown, who played the Celestial Toymaker. Although I did like the fact that on all news, he was Alfred just the Butler. Alfred the Butler from <laughs> Batman. <laughs> he also married uh, a companion? Uh, yes. He. Um, ooh, which one was it? Annette Wills? Annette Wills, yeah. Annette Wills. And he played Councillor Haddon in Ark of Infinity. Yes. So there we are. He's done a lot of different stuff. And we have a bit of an exclusive, don't we? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, yes, yes. It's all about me. (laughs) Hey, I say, before you do that, I think (coughs) I can make the noise of a door creaking open with my hair. Yeah, that works, yeah. Yeah, can you hear that? It would have been better to have done it at a point, you know, where where we could... We're opening the door to my memoirs. Excellent, yes. Yeah, we have an exclusive snippet, I think. Coming soon on the Oodcast, Andrew Candice reads his memoirs of life as a Doctor Who fan. Be the first to hear the life story the Times described as tawdry, racy, geeky and disturbing like a naked fat man standing in a comic book store. Discover the book that will shock fandom to its core before everyone else. Starting next time on the Oodcast, Andrew reads Wheezing and Groaning Sounds, My Life as a Doctor Who Fan in 493 Sizzling Instalments. Be there or retain your sanity. Yeah, what it is, is right. I do acting in my spare time and some years ago I was in an amazing play called The Sea, which is written by... Edward Bond. Edward Woodward. Bond. Okay. Anyway, um, when I was in this play, the word went around the cast one night that a famous actor was in the audience. Alfred and the Butler, they all said. They did. They all said Alfred the Butler. Oh. They said, Michael, Go- Michael, Michael Goff's in the audience. Michael Goff's in the audience. And we're like, what? Because we're, we were just an Amdram company. And it is pronounced Goch. Did they say... Goch and have a look. No. I don't think anyone said that, though. Anyway, lo and behold, he was. It was him. And I have to admit, to my shame, 
two things. Firstly, I didn't think, it's the Celestial Toymaker. I completely forgot he played the Celestial Toymaker or Counselor Hedden. I just thought, it's Alfred. And secondly, when I saw him in the bar after the show, I didn't go and talk to him because I thought, he's acting royalty. He won't want any, He won't want this am and jam actor coming up to him and saying, hello, Alfred, what did you think of the show? Yes, that's right. He only came out to see you, after all. I know, and I have to say that as an actor, it is a great joy to be recognised because it's been recognised for your work. We all like to be appreciated for the job that we do. And um, I think he would have liked it if I'd said, it's very nice to see you and I admire your work. And even better if you'd have remembered that he was a celestial toy yeah. maker. I, I do love the image of, of, a bit like in the Father Ted episode where they approach Victor Meldry for his autograph of you walking up to Michael Goff and saying, hello, Alfred, and then being beaten over the head with something. <laughs> you could have approached him as one of those white clowns in the episode. Yeah. I, I could have done a mime. I wonder what it's like for actors, because obviously they play a range of roles throughout their careers, and they must know from the kind of things that people recognise them for what sort of fan they're going to be talking to. Like, for example... I don't know, if you're Nicolas Cage and somebody comes up and goes, oh, you were great in Bad Lieutenant, you know they're going to be a bit of a pothead whore. And if they say, Sorry, oh... did you say a pothead whore? Well, maybe, because there were potheads and whores in it. <laughs> right, I see. And so the only people <laughs> that enjoy Bad Lieutenant... That, that's his niche market. I like Transformers because I am an intergalactic robot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going, that's what I'm going for. Uh, or if they say... I really like Ghost Rider. You know, they're just a total plank. So, <laughs> so I mean, you he must have, if you'd come up and said, hello, Celestial Toymaker playing person, rather than calling him the Celestial Toymaker to show that you know that it's real life and not, <laughs> and not a TV show, then he could have gone, oh, a Doctor Who nerd. Ah. Run away, run away. I'm laughing on the inside here a little bit because Laura has just referred to people who like Ghost Rider as total planks and her best friend, Karen, really likes Ghost Rider. It's one of her guilty <laughs> oh, pleasures. No. And she does listen to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Karen. I don't think you're a plank. I'm the best. I'm the best of the couple. I'm the best one. Yeah, whatever. I'll give you a back rub next time I see you. Thank you. Shall I tell my June Whitfield story now or not? <laughs> why, why did she die as well? I hadn't heard this. No. <clears throat> Alpha. No, June Whitfield seen me act as well. And she actually said that she thought I was good. That's not really an anecdote. No. <laughs> I think what she said was, good Lord. <laughs> well, Richard O'Brien once saw me when I had lotion for to kill some nits upon my head. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell us that story. That was it, I think. That is I sold him a fuchsia and told him that all television was rubbish, to which he agreed. And played his harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, he starred in Spice World the movie, which just goes to show you. Just goes to show what buying a fuchsia he from Laura can from do. He from a toilet when really his career was going the other way. Oh, woe is me. No one will fight me in this boxing match I've set up. Jenkins, trap in the ring there. Five rounds rapid. Well, we're running out of time, but uh, Andy, could you do a review of Christopher and his kind in three words? Yes. One. Well, that was one word. <laughs> Robotic Nazi buttocks. No. Um, <laughs> engaging. Uh, emotional. Winkles. 
Ah. Bumming. Engaging emotional bumming. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. It no, but seriously, folks. Matt Smith starred as Christopher Isherwood in the BBC drama and Christopher you do mean and His starred Kind. starred in every single sense of the word there, don't you? He was very good, is what I'm getting. He was at, he was outstandingly good, actually. He the depth of that performance was superb. He he is obviously an accomplished actor. Um, for the non-UK audiences who might not have seen it, if you get a chance to see it, please do, because it's, yeah, it's great. It's all about an author called Christopher Isherwood, who lived in Berlin in the early 1930s, and he wrote diaries, and he was gay, and he saw the um, the rising of Nazi Were power. they diaries of impossible things? No. Oh, boring them. And he was the author of Cabaret, the famous musical which starred Liza Minnelli in the film version. And Imogen Poots, who plays his friend, who was the inspiration for Liza Minnelli's character, one of her first roles on TV was in 28 Days Later. And she has had no formal acting training at an acting school. Really? Because she was brilliant. Yep. Okay. Am I allowed to point out you're significantly over your three-word limit? Oh, are we still doing that? <laughs> no, apparently not. <laughs> so there we are. We don't just bring you Doctor Who news. We bring you news about other things. How do I say peace in Hebrew? I'm fairly sure that's Shalom. But bringing it back to Doctor Who, we have just seen, or at least some of us have just seen, a 10-second teaser clip mm-hmm. for... Is it the impossible astronaut the, yeah, or the, the improbable the astronaut? The impossible astronaut. Yes, we oh have. Oh my goodness, I want to see that so much. Why haven't I seen it yet? Quick, show it to me. It I is ten seconds it. long. I will, I will explain what happens in it. Darkness. Blackness. The vacuum of space. Nothing. Suddenly, something. Oh, it's an astronaut floating towards us, coming slowly out of shadow. And as we get nearer to his helmet... <laughs> We suddenly see the TARDIS reflected in it, and the doors open, and we see the Doctor. The end. <gasps> what the what? And does the helmet then shut and then open again to reveal a skull? Uh-oh! Oh, dear. No, it doesn't, but it does... The tagline is about the silence, is it not? So, yes, suddenly there's no sound, and the tagline, silence will fall. Comes so up. the silence is coming back, fat style. Yeah. And there's a, second, the there's a second teaser, them. there's a second teaser. Tell us about the second teaser, Chris, in your own inimitable style. Okay, this is a teaser for the preview. Uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but uh, some of the episodes will have previews, sort of web-based previews. This one did nothing really happened in it. You just see various um, shots of the White House. Okay, mm. here we are, here we are. I'll tell you what happened. There is the shot of a bloke looking a bit worried. Then he's running down the corridor, a circular corridor, and circular corridor. Yeah, which is relevant because that runs out the round the outside of the Oval Office. Aha! Mm-hmm. And then there's a shot of a carpet with the official Seal. insignia. Yeah, of that would be the in the Oval United States. States. The Oval Office. And then there's a shot uh, that comes into focus of the the Merca. No, <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of the Oval Office, sitting behind the desk I and writing papers. Like yeah. And Barack the... Obama's there trying to do some judo. <laughs> I like to imagine the worker squatting in the middle of the earth. Anyway, there's office, the emblematic laying eagle, a turd which... and then wandering away. <laughs> a turd. Looking a bit sheepish. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
whilst Barack Obama waggles a finger at it. <laughs> yes, sternly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the preview. <laughs> and... <laughs> and there's like a... <laughs> Merka does dump in Oval Office shock. <laughs> I'm just wondering. news written. Somebody switch off my mind. I'm just trying to think how it might just circulate with its little arms to show that it was embarrassed. Sorry. Right. Do you know I've forgotten who wrote the Iliad? I'm fairly sure that's Homer. Well, it seems like we've sort of we put it about a bit this week, podcast-wise. Well, this month, uh, Laura and I appeared on the Doctor Who podcast quiz, where we thrashed them. <laughs> and then we were very nice about it uh, on their podcast, and then we were quite mean about it on the last Gallifrey one. And then they went and spliced our bit from our podcast into theirs so we looked quite <laughs> smug <laughs> well played chaps i thought but i'm also unfortunately uh, not so well played with the quiz losers yeah. Woo! in your face yeah how'd you like that uh i also was asked to do a reading for the doctor who book club so i w- went on that and then i got a bit over excited about the whole thing and started putting sound effects in <laughs> so there we go so there's that uh, and finally, we appear on a sampler CD that has found its way to Neil Gaiman, allegedly. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Kickers! Because we met someone at the supermarket who <laughs> took one of the CDs and gave it to Neil Gaiman. Neil, if you reside in the state of California, make sure you don't hang it in the back window of your car to deflect radar guns, because that is illegal. So don't do that. We don't want to get... Sucked into your hurly-burly world of ragamuffinry. Yes, Neil, if you want to do anything with it, I'd say put it on your computer and download the episodes therein and listen to them. Perhaps while you're writing a whimsical yet sort of fabulously descriptive of a magical short story. Probably something with people with buttons for eyes or something like that. Yes, or a... Something for goat. season seven. Yes, something for season seven. Or Why something not? to do with the fates. He did put on Twitter that he has seen episode four and he is happy. That is good. Well done, Neil. So episode four of season, of season two of the Udcast or episode four of series six? Maybe he was talking about, <laughs> about us. Who knows? So I can either paint my room banana, canary, sunshine, custard or daffodil. Splendid yellow, all of them. And uh, finally, I think, on this episode, uh, we have a bit of a shout out. Because there is a listener in Australia called Leanne, Leanne, Leanne. I think it must it's be Leanne. Leanne. Yeah. Uh, and she has been incredibly supportive to us. Uh, and she has written in and said some really lovely things and made some very funny points. Uh, and her boyfriend has written to us and asked if we could give a shout out to her because it is her birthday sometime around about the time that we are recording now. No, no sorry, where this episode is coming out. So, we just want to say thanks for listening, thanks for being so supportive. Happy birthday from all of us, and we're all now going to attempt to sing. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Leanne. Happy birthday to you. Wow, that was not tuneful. Anyway, hope you appreciated it. <laughs> I, I was following Andrew's hand gestures, telling me which way the notes went up or down. Yeah. And thank you to Have Harley you never for, sung Happy for, Birthday of before? Sung Happy Birthday Johnny to us. Yes. Anyway, we appreciate it hugely. Keep listening. That what he said. Keep the blue light flashing. Did we make that up? I'm sure we didn't. Oh no. We're surrounded by a handful of dogs, all of whom are foaming at the mouth. Five hounds, Raybid. Great, so I uh, hope you've enjoyed this week's Oodcast. I we've all enjoyed just sitting out and catching up, I think. It's been great. It uh, really has been good fun. And exciting things to come back to thematic episodes next time where we present the Oodcast preview to Series 6 without having read or seen anything about the series. Apart from the fact there'll be a swimming pool and a library in the TARDIS. There will absolutely and be those he things. will probably have a fez again. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, and we go back to uh, weekly episodes at that point as well. Yes, we do. Yeah, every week. That'll be fun. It will be. <laughs> and tiring. <laughs> okay, well, thanks very much for sticking with us. Uh, this is Chris Sigma saying, cheerio. This is Andy saying, bye. This is Chris Alpha saying, goodbye. And this is Laura saying, last weekend I had sausages for the first time in ages. Non sequitur, cyclical, mm. causal loop. Bye. This is Mining Vessel Radio Rassilon, transmitting to Nerva Beacon. This is Mining Vessel Radio Rassilon, transmitting to Nerva Beacon. Hello, Oods. Uh, I'm Lisa Fisher from the Radio Rassilon podcast. Hello, Oods. I'm Harry Medium from that Radio Rassilon podcast. And this here is I Am William from that Radio Rassilon podcast. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, I'm not quite sure why they've asked us to... What's, what's going on with uh, having to be on the Oodcast? I think they want um, I Am William's opinion, so... I'm William. What do you think? Have you heard of the Oodcast? Um, yeah. What do you think to the Oodcast? Um, they're quite good. So you like them? But a little bit rubbish. Oh. So delete that one. No, no, we, we, we can't edit it. Just pretend that it's live. Imagine all your favourite things in a, in a row. With your favourite thing first, your least favourite thing at the end. Um, yeah. I love the Radio Rassilon and Toy Story and Doctor Who and everything and Scooby-Dooby-Doo. What about the U-Cast? I love the U-Cast. Thing, they're quite good. Really? But not quite good. They're quite... Sh- whoa, 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 whoa. Hogan's ghost, you'll get me taken into care at this rate. <laughs> bonkers, bonkers. Get in that cage. Don't make me get the electrodes. It's terrible nowadays. Um, he's got too big for his boots. He has. His boots are massive. Yeah. I mean, they're massive anyway. Yeah. And he's far too big for them. Do you know what the other thing is? Go on then. Tiny hands like a carny. Oh, man. With the big feet as well. He looks like a T-Rex. Oh, you no, no luck pulling your socks up with tiny little hands like that. Oh, you ought to see him trying to wipe his ass. Oh, I can't wipe my ass. I'm a T-Rex. Mm. That's why you need two T-Rexes. Because yep. one wipes the ass of the other. Yep. That's how it works. And that's how it's working with us and the Oodcast right now. Exactly. Yeah. One arse wipes the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, yeah. why are we here? We're here because the Oodcast um, 
uh, the the Oods of the Ood cast, mm-hmm. they um, they phoned me up, right, crying, yes, crying, middle of the night, just crying, yeah. They were on for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. close to two hours maybe. Mm-hmm. They they wanted to do um, a cover version yes. of our song, the Tenth Doctor's Hair. Don't never heard of it. The Tenth Doctor's Hair. Nope. The Tenth Doctor's Hair. Try saying it an octave higher. The Tenth Doctor's Hair. No, that was the wrong key. It's it was not, in the key of L. Not ringing any bells. Well, that's what they're going to do. I've got a secret hope. Go on then. Once we've finished all this rambling rubbish, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear it, because I haven't heard it yet. I haven't heard it. I'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'd like it to be a little bit like Twisting by the Pool by Dire Straits. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. It, do you remember The Who? Yep. They did Pinball Wizard, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Thumb yeah. and Blind Kid playing, playing pinball. Oh, how did he do it? Crazy flipper fingers. I don't know how he did it. And then Elton John did a version of it. Mm. I'd like it to be like that. What? No. No, the other way around. Right. Do you remember Elton John ruined Pinball Wizard? Oh, yeah. I'd like it to be the other way. I'd like, I like it to be so the, anyway, the Who version. Here is the Oods of the Oodcast yeah. with their version of our song, the Tenth Doctor's Hair. I hope it goes well for you, Oods. Good luck, because if it doesn't go well, I'll hunt you down. Radio Rassilon. I gave you my hair But the very next Christmas day Someone else's hair was there You forgot about all the ups and downs All the effort I put into Maintaining this hair crown Cause I am the king of hair And you will worship me Even if I'm filming outside Or it's raining or windy The hair became a monster of my own creation It caused the regeneration So I had to quit in wanted world hair domination It didn't move, it couldn't fly It wouldn't act but it still died There's not much to say But I thought your hair was bloody lovely The tenth doctor's lovely, lovely, lovely It had its very own director's chair But that wasn't of much use When it came to filming it It needed its own second unit The demands it made were less than fair The Tenth Doctor's lovely, 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 lovely Goodbye right there to 
you and your lovely, lovely hands. And Was the hair that said, I don't want to go. I'm just off to listen to former British boy band sensation Five. Are you sure, Jenkins? Five sounds vapid. <laughs> 